like a damn fool. Hello and welcome to Sons of the Dragon, the Immortal Iron Fist podcast. My name's Connor McKenna. No, I'm Carl Stout. My dynamic duo is back to cover the other dynamic duo. And I think dynamic duo is a different theme. Anyway, yeah, back for more Power Man and Iron Fist. Uh, With more Batman references than ever before. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, back to this famous run, which, you know, goes between hot garbage, entertaining, and pretty good. Uh, so, it's a very mixed bag. Um, but, uh, yes, uh, before that, uh, some sad news. They've put all the... They've put a lot of stuff up from Iron Fist, Daredevil, and Luke Cage on auction. So, two parts to that bad news. The first part is if you're not a millionaire, you're not going to get any of it. And the second part of that bad news is it's just more, you know, confirmation that they're moving on from those shows. So, yeah. Well, no, see, I think everyone's looking at this incorrectly. Mm. Those items that are being put up for sale are technically property of Netflix. That's a Netflix show. The Netflix shows are gone. Yeah. It's not like they're going to bring props and costumes over to wherever they restart from a, sh- from a company that no longer is doing the show. That's true. I just, I, I don't know, I just don't feel optimistic that another network's going to pick it up. You know, isn't that like the dream for all these cancelled shows? Um... Well, the the dream is because Disney now owns the controlling uh, stock share of Hulu that all adult-themed shows are going to be on Hulu and all the kid-oriented stuff is going to be on Disney streaming. That's what I'm hearing. Well, Disney's also going to own the planet soon, so... Unless Apple stops them. <laughs> Apple's falling behind, but man, they're both. Oh god! Someone stop these corporations! You hear thousands of people are going to be losing their jobs because of Disney's takeover of Fox. Well, corporate greed. We can man. Do about it. I know, but it sucks. It's just it's so greedy. But uh, anyway, that, that's corporations for you. That's why they exist. Um, anyway, back. Let's go back in time to the seventies. Yeah, that. And, uh, so we are at Power Man and Iron Fist 60. Published December 1979. Let's see if I got that right. I was eight. I got it right. Yay. Now, uh, the cover artists are Bob Layton and Marie Severin. Um, and it's, it's not a bad cover. What's going on? Definitely not the worst you've gotten, that's for sure. Um, so we have a uh, Power Man and Iron Fist uh, storming the spoiler Halwani Embassy yet again. We have Princess Azir in the back looking cranky. We have people trying to shoot Luke Cage, and you know there's swords flying, kicks flying, it's all you know hats flying, shoes um, flying. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, the pink background, but um. There's fezes. That's always a plus. Yes. Yeah. And it's called the Terrorist Manifesto. And it's a consistent title to the next page as well. 
But what did the last issue say for the next adventure? Let's have a look. I'm pretty sure it was that. I think so too, but I want to double check. Yep, no, you're right. Iron Doors, before I forget, you can pick this up in the first Power Man and Iron Fist Epic Collection. So, Power Man and Iron Fist Epic Collection Volume 1, Heroes for Hire. And good news, uh, December this year they are bringing out Power Man and Iron Fist Epic Collection Volume 3. I've been waiting for that news for ages because I got the first two volumes and I want to finish this run in trade or book form. Well, that's, that's my issue, is it doesn't finish the run. Number three. Yeah, but this means we'll probably get a number four. It's going to be thin. Maybe they'll put in extra... I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the end of the run sucked, though. So. <laughs> I don't know the, uh, it's going to have, like, I think 15 issues left to go, so hopefully they'll at least not be another... What are, they, are they 35 or 39, they're saying, for part three? Hmm. I don't know. I haven't actually looked at... Because it's almost 30 issues, I know that. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah. that is good news. And one of our fans slash listeners slash commenters on our Facebook page, Troy, has informed me that, unbeknownst to apparently all of us, uh, the Spider-Man newspaper cartoon is coming to an end. And I guess Troy was doing a little bit of research and found out May of 2018, Iron Fist was actually introduced in the Spider-Man comic strip. And uh, I'm going to try to find some of the pictures and whatnot and get them up on the Facebook page. Sorry, who was introduced? Iron Fist in the Spider-Man newspaper comic strip. I was like, uh, they're actually reprinting those, I think, in, um, uh, like my, like a comic book shop news thing. And it has Iron Fist and Spider-Man fighting the Kingpin. Uh, so by Troy the- just sent me one and he, Iron Fist for some reason had a full red beard. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Are you sure that was... So that's Iron Fist's debut, isn't that not Marvel Premiere? No, no, no. No, no, no. Last year... Oh, last year he debuted. Oh, okay. He, he had a debuted in the strip. Yep, yep, yep. Gotcha. I'm back up to speed now. Excellent. Yeah. No, I read those. They were good. Uh, yes, yeah, so... We have the front page, the the first page, Terrorist Manifesto, appearing in this issue, Luke Cage, Power Man, Danny Rand, a.k.a. Iron Fist, Misty Knight, Colleen Wing, Alan Cavanaugh, Lieutenant Raphael, Scarf, Jenny Royce, D.W. Griffith, Princess Azir, Toby, and Gadget. I hope you caught all that. Uh, Joe Duffy's the writer, Marie Severin, and Steve Lealoha are the artists. Diana Albers is a letterer, Marie Severin is a uh, color artist. Roger Stern, the editor, Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. So, everyone... I'm starting to think Steve might be using a fake last name. Maybe. Lay and Aloha stuck together. Come on now. I mean, you never know. 
Um, so everyone's crowded in the police precinct after this bombing. Uh, Allen's in cuffs. So we got Colleen, Misty, it, Danny, it and kind of looks like Colleen's in cuffs. Too. Yeah, it does. But I guess they're gold cuffs. But you know, colouring issues happen all the time. So. So, the yeah. look on Danny's face is priceless. Not that it looks much like Danny's face. Yeah. <laughs> looks so, like Ricky Schroeder from Silver Spoons. Luke's cranky because he relates to Alan's position. He's like, it's a bum rap. You can't prove him guilty. He's not guilty. And it's like, it's just like what happened to me when I was framed and got sent to jail. And uh, Misty's like, can't you spare a little sympathy for us victims? I'm sorry, did you get blown up in that recent explosion, Misty? No? Anyway, I'm going to let you take over, because I'm too cranky to talk about this whole sequence. And I'll just, I'll just abuse Misty the whole time. So, Alright, so, so Luke is having an argument with Scarf. And Scarf says, granted the evidence we have against him is pretty circumstantial, but it can't hurt to hold him overnight until we know for sure. And Luke Cage is like, can't hurt, Scarf. I ain't forgot how I felt being locked up knowing I was innocent. No, knowing that some guilty scum was walking around freak because I'd been framed for what he did. Don't jive me with no can't hurt. And then Misty pulls her sympathy for us victim lines. And then Danny drops. Misty, how can you talk that way? Why? And if Luke hadn't punched his way into the restaurant and put out the fire, everyone would have been killed, including us. That you never even thanked him. No, after you got out of the building, you were too interested in accusing Alan of the bombing. And there was no rational reason for that. Oh, sure, just because Kavanaugh is a known IRA bomber responsible for 12 deaths... And just because he was snooping around the restaurant before the bomb went off, I suppose, that doesn't make him a good suspect? Big question mark. Misty, I know how you feel. Do you? Hey, what are you? She looks like she pulls out Scarf's gun and crushes it in front of him. I don't know why she did. I used to be your partner, Ralph. Raphael, Ralph, sorry. <laughs> do you think I like giving up my career in a forest? Do you think I enjoy trading my life for the ability to do this? It's like, that's like $500. You just destroyed Misty. What the hell? Yeah, it's not your gun. That's his gun. Like, at least destroy your own gun. <laughs> at least he's got a good expression on his face after she does this. It's like, what the F? Yeah. Misty. Misty and I... Bionic detective is a freak with a robot arm. Is more like it. That was my service revolver. The department is going to want an explanation in triplicate. You know what they can do with their triplicates, Raph? It was a terrorist bomb that cost me my arm. It cost me that badge. I've got the right to hate bombers. Misty, you were a good cop. The best. So think like one, will you? Kavanaugh is not the man who maimed you. You can't blame him for that. 
and there's no solid proof that he's tonight's bomber. There's a lot of words on his frickin' page. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you don't read them out, just summarize, like, what's going on. Blah, blah, they're all still arguing. Misty right, so stuff. Colleen is basically like, look, we all need to chill out and get a good night's sleep. We'll meet tomorrow at the office and discuss what we're going to do. Yeah, and they're, they're just still, yeah, they're still bickering about the same crap. And Misty says that, you know, Danny and Luke are heroes for hire. We have our own business to worry about, remember? Yeah, and then she pretty much storms out, um, you know. And uh, Danny's like, what am I going to do? Like, he's asking the lieutenant for advice. And it's like, I wouldn't ask that guy anything. He's useless. Um, Beats me, Danny. <laughs> I've known Misty for years. And if there's one thing that's tougher to do, it's opening up to someone else, anyone else, when she's in pain. It looks like it looks like that woman better learn to bend and soon, or she could end up breaking. So next day, yeah, we cut to Danny, Luke, and Jenny, the secretary, sitting in the office, and the Helwani ambassador comes in, the guy who the bomb was uh, there to get, and they want to hire the ambassador. It, and although it's funny because Luke demands answers from him, it's like, why would anyone want to blow you up? How would, I demand you tell me now. It's like, well, he's an ambassador. I'm sure lots of people want to kill him for various reasons. Um, but they want to hire them for a thousand bucks. And Luke's like, hey, we'll do it. Because uh, they, they want to hire them to find the guys responsible and bring them to justice. So they take the job and they start uh, he sends them towards, like, a restaurant, club, sort of thing. And, uh, he, Iron Fist name, drop, name drops the ambassador's name, and they get taken, like, to a VIP sort of table. And then they're approached by these two guys who pretty much announce that they're rebels. <laughs> and that their organization is responsible for playing the bomb. And they give him a speech about how... Because... You know, the, how their people, like their country, you know, the, most of their people are just forced to work in horrible conditions. It's a really brutal dictatorship. And Danny's like, but I'm friends with Princess Azir. She couldn't be like that. And then he remembers her threatening to flay Kumbala Bay alive because he disobeyed her. Well, he tried to kill Danny. But, uh, anyway, that, that was all the way back in Marvel Premiere 10. Um, some history idea right there. Boom. Yeah. So, yeah, she's pretty much saying the Helwani, including Princess Azir, are all, you know, awful, evil dictators. And, you know, that, that, that being said, doesn't really justify blowing people up, does it? Um, so, I think Luke, uh, Luke decides to go to Allen's to try and track out, track the bombers. Well, you, you're missing that. Yeah, this guy actually, in, the, in the, the paper, he shows them a newspaper from his country and it's actually stated that the government has formed an alliance yeah. with 
Luke Cage and Iron Fist, and they threaten the people with that fact that they'll basically come and get them. Yeah. It's just like North Korea. <laughs> um, so, we go to... Uh, Danny goes to the embassy. Yeah, and Luke's going to Alan. I'm just trying to remember why Luke goes to Alan. Oh, wait, no, no. Luke's not going to Alan. He's just going home. And Misty's tailing him. Uh, because she's tailing them until they drop their case or until uh, she finds proof that Alan is guilty. So Danny goes to the embassy. He's like, hey, I'm a friend of the princess. Can I come in? And they're like, yep, sure. She's out at the moment, but you can just wait in this waiting room. And then some really suspicious guy from the club comes and delivers delivers this, uh, what is it? Samovar thing, this vase looking thing. And, uh, Danny's getting impatient waiting for the princess to come back from making her speech to the UN. And Luke goes into his house and finds Alan there with DW. Turns out Danny paid Alan's bail. <coughs> oh. And, um, uh, sorry, listeners. <laughs> I think it's very interesting in the panel before that the, ad, the artist put Danny's eyes in the mask. Yeah, and whereas, like, his eyes have been absent from... Like, you just gotta wonder what goes through the artist's head sometimes. He's like, oh, on this panel, I'll just draw him with eyes in his mask. You know? And it's like, Uh we're not talking about the usual, you can see his eyes, but it's like his eyes are on the white part of the mask. Um, It's an an odd look. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know... um, so Luke's a bit exasperated that Danny's just posted Alan's bail because he doesn't have a good alibi now, you know, when the next bomb goes off. Because if Alan's in jail and the bomb goes off, it's obviously not him. So Luke decides to hit the streets with Alan uh, to try and find to try and find uh you know who who planted this bomb. And it's funny because Luke straight up tells Alan here that Danny is Iron Fist. <laughs> like, Alan suspected. He's like, hey, are the two of them really the same? And Luke's like, yep. <laughs> so, but if you're a real friend of Danny's, you won't spread that around. Man's got a right to his privacy. And Misty's telling them in the background. Interesting street scene. Yeah. <laughs> What, what going on? Puts this guy in a bin? Oh, wait, you just mean in general. Yeah, no, there is. There's a lot in the background and stuff. It feel, the street feels, uh, nice and alive. It's not just Luke and Alan walking down a street for the sake of it. Um. And Alan basically tells, tells him he had a suspicion that the bomb, bomber was gonna strike there because he's, still kept in touch with some of his old friends. And Luke is like, good, we need to meet up with some of them later so they can get a talk. Somebody says hi to Luke, and then there's pretty much a pimp. 
<laughs> wearing a pink suit and a big giant white hat. All of a sudden, it's like, hey, buddy, look, it's Lucas. He's come around with the white boys working for the heat. But nobody talks to Lucas. He, he, he. And Alan's like, out. what the <laughs> devil? And Luke's like, excuse me. And then it shows Luke carrying the guy, and he's like, oh, mama, he going to kill me. And he stuffs him in the trash can. And, he, and he's and going says, hee, hee, hee the whole time. <laughs> he's like, come on, Kavanaugh. We still got a lot of stops to make. As Kavanaugh's like looking back going, what the deuce? I really like that scene. <laughs> That's probably my favorite part of the issue, Luke, just chucking this guy in the bin. <laughs> Um, so, uh, um, here's my favorite panel. Which one? What, the first one? Much later. Uh, Afternoon, Toby, it's me, Lucas. I know I recognize your footsteps. Who's that with you? Has Iron Fist finally come to meet old blind Toby? So what, what, what makes that your favorite panel? Look at the album. It's Alice Cooper. Oh, okay. Alright. Don't <laughs> worry. I know who that is. I just don't recognize the album cover because I'm not, I'm not an old man. Shush. Not, not old grandpa. <laughs> I'm not a grandpa yet. God, don't wish that on somebody. Um, so this is Toby, blind Toby. He's, uh, he's been around in these issues before. Um, and Toby informs Luke. That, you know, the bombers aren't local talent. And somebody local is supplying them with explosives, though. And apparently the Gadget Man is back in business. We all remember Gadget from the, you know. Yeah. Meanwhile, in the Hawaii Embassy, oh god, Danny is like, (laughs) this whole sequence is hilarious. So, Danny's like, I wonder if the butler's forgotten about me. Maybe I gotta look for him. It can't do any harm. Hmm. Hey, I wonder what's in that big safe. <laughs> it looks important. Maybe if it's open, I could take a look inside. Princess's ear shouldn't mind too much, unless what Saba told me is like. I think regardless of whether or not she's like an evil person, I think she would care if he just starts going through her safe, yeah. like, even if it's open. I mean. <laughs> And, uh, so this guy comes up and accuses Danny. Kabbalah Bay's replacement, apparently. Yeah, like the same body type. Um, and he, he accuses Danny of spying, which is pretty apt, to be honest. <laughs> and so they have a fight. Uh, Danny takes him out with, like, two strikes, which is pretty cool. Um, and then he ties him up. He's like, that should hold him, and if my suspicions are wrong, I can always pay the embassy for these ropes. Um, and he goes back to trying to crack the safe. <laughs> yeah. Hmm, the safe is locked. How am I going to find out what's inside? Danny, you yes. um, I mean, I guess this is the whole naive Danny angle, because he's talking about how he's like a warrior from Kumlun. That's, that's the vibe I'm getting from Joe Duffy's writing of Danny, is that he's uh, still very much a man of Kumlun, trying to fit in to... Uh, you know, the subtleties of Western society, which I don't mind. I like it. It just, it just makes them seem really stupid sometimes, like this instance. Mm-hmm. 
Like, even in Kung Lun, I mean, surely it's like, hmm, Lei Kung has a box he doesn't want people to touch. Surely he won't mind if I go in there and touch it. Like, that's a... Yeah, so Misty's still stalking Luke and Alan, and they're in Gadget's hideout. And Gadget immediately spills the beans, because Luke is scary. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah. Breaks his sweat and everything. Yeah, so he, he pretty much gives... He's like, um... The ones who blew up the Hawani cellar. Their leader is... Uh, Alan's saying their leader calls himself Farouk. And Gadget immediately spills Farouk's location as... Uh, 205A West 80th Street. The basement. I sold him some stuff this morning. And... It's like the quickest interrogation ever. Um, I like uh, I like that panel, the bottom left with Luke. He looks a bit weird, but he does look imposing. No uh-huh. nonsense. Um, so they run off, and Alan's like, "Do you think Daddy's in any danger? He's my best friend, you know." Um, and then that we go back to Danny, reaching the logical conclusion of his stupid train of thought. <laughs> so he's like. <laughs> Hmm. I suppose even if I took the gag out of his mouth, he'd refuse to tell me the combination of the safe. There's only one thing left to do. And of course, as everyone who's reading this could probably predict, as soon as he saw the safe, he blows it up with the iron fist and starts looking inside. And he's like, I don't know how I'm going to explain this to the princess if they turn out to be our old love letters. And apparently it's worse than the rebel described. The whole country is being... uh you know, Strict mind. Yep. Entire towns full of people are dispossessed to give foreign governments and private businesses access to their minerals, and all the profits go to line the royal treasury. I've got to tell Luke about this. And Princess Azir comes in, and, uh, you know, despite the fact that he previously saved her life from a softball monster, she is not happy. Because, as she says, and I agree with her here, you came here under the guise of friendship to aid those who would destroy me. For that, you must pay. I think that's a pretty understandable way to feel. I'd be pretty ticked off, too. Um, not that I condone what she's doing, obviously, in a general scheme, but in this instance with Danny, you know, he's really got himself into this. You don't keep friendships this way. You know, having a, having a princess could have been a pretty handy asset, but whatever. So Danny starts Kung Fu fighting everyone and winning. He slashed on his right leg. Uh, uh, so Danny's pretty um, I don't know how to describe how he looks, but I like it. He's very agile in these mm-hmm. uh, sort of, you know, very lean. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, no, I like the way this fighting's done. I like the guy's facial expression, <laughs> yeah. and karate chops, and the solo plexus. Well, apparently, that would hurt a lot. <laughs> he snacked that guy, Loopy. <laughs> yeah. And the princess is like, if you won't surrender and face trial and execution like a man iron fist, then my personal bodyguards will kill you like the dog you are. And um, so then that we cut back to two hundred five A. Yeah. So Luke bursts through the door and just goes, Hey, Farouk, you in here? And Farouk immediately <laughs> outs himself. I want to portray my followers all my ideals. I'm the leader and I'm proud of what I've done. And Luke's like, shut up. 
And Alan's trying to appeal his sense of, appeal to his sense of decency. He's like, I was a bomber too, but then I hurt the people I was trying to save. And then, you know, he's just like, shut up. <laughs> and I, I love Luke here. That does it, sucker. One more speech and you eat your own teeth. Just tell us where you planted your last bomb so we can save a few lives. I'm on Luke's side here. I don't, like, these guys are just making speeches at each other about bombing and Luke's just like, look, just tell me where the last bomb is. I don't care. You know. And of course we find out the bomb was delivered to the princess's place and it's going to explode at 4.30 and Alan looking at his watch yells, that's 15 minutes from now. And it was, and he says it was that samurai that vase and anyone reading this issue knew that was a bomb as soon as it came into <laughs> play. Um, so they rush to the embassy, they get a cab, uh, Misty pays another cab to follow them and we they arrive at the embassy, and Luke has the most hilarious run ever. <laughs> and, uh, it is comical, almost. I very. <laughs> and uh, Alan's like, how are we, how are we ever going to find Danny? And then, you know, a guy comes bursting out of the window, two stories yeah, up. Over their heads. Yeah. Shouldn't be too hard. <laughs> yeah. So they rush up to Danny, and Misty decides they might need backup, so she runs in with her gun drawn. Princess's ears like more intruders. I like. <laughs> Actually, we get to it later, but uh, yeah. So Luke's trying to tell her there's a bomb, and she's like, "Liar!" And uh, Luke's racist. He's like, "It's no use. These Hawaiians are crazy." <gasps> the <laughs> bullets the... bounce right off of him. I guess they're not used to it. So, uh, but uh, Misty then knocks out the princess. Bop. Yeah, bop. And, uh, da- uh, Alan, Danny's best friend, is fighting a guard. But then another guard is getting up and Alan doesn't see him. And he's pointing a gun at Alan. And Misty's having a bit of a moral decision. She's like, oh, I could let the guard shoot him. Dead. And he'll be punished for all those innocents he killed. Or I could, you know, intervene. And she decides to intervene. She can't let anyone even... Alan be murdered, and she's no better than he is. So she saved Alan, they both rush off, um, and they join Luke upstairs with a room full of beaten up guards, and uh, meet up with Danny in that really suspicious vase. So Alan rushes to grab the vase, he grabs it, he throws it out the window, And, uh, yeah, it, it, he's confused as to why it doesn't blow up straight away. And it turns out his watch is fast. <laughs> Baradum. I don't know how Luke knew that. But, uh, hmm? I don't know how Luke knew his watch was fast, but maybe he just guessed. Um... Yeah, so, three days later we cut to an early rainy evening. Actually, no, let, let's wait. Uh, there was a line said by the princess, right, that she's sick of, like, being raided by superheroes or something. <laughs> like, Spider-Man and Thor had previously raided this embassy. So I'm guessing this uh, fictional nation was a bit of a punching bag for the Marvel Universe at this point. 
if their own busy is constantly being invaded by other superheroes. Mm-hmm. Of course, Spider-Man does it because Spider-Man does everything in these in this era. So he's been everywhere at some point. But uh, anyway, yeah, back. So three days later, Danny and Alan are having a heart to heart, and uh, Alan's like, oh, "I might join the Peace Corps." He's like, "Oh, I was trying to throw my life away when I saved yours." Oh, really? I never guessed that. Um, try and make amend for those folks, for them folks me bombs killed back in Ireland. Uh, so, yeah, blah, 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 you know, everyone has pain, locked inside. Uh, Misty suffering too, boss of her arm. I'll miss you, Alan. Oh, Danny, me best friend, I'll miss you too. I'll be in touch, unfortunately. And... Uh, Heart of the Dragon, Danny says. Oh, Danny's arm is in a sling as well, because like, he got sliced by that guy. So. He got slashed on the leg. <laughs> Danny, uh, Misty comes up behind Danny, and she can't, she apologizes for the way she behaved. And, uh, there's a line here. Misty, knowing the problem is half the battle, because Misty acknowledges the problems within herself. And her dealing with her trauma. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry I don't sound more excited about this, but, uh, I didn't really go for, you know. I mean, it, look, it was nice to see Misty get character development. Mm-hmm. I liked that. Um, cause I, I was really annoyed at her at the start of this issue, but then she, like, grew as a character and made choices and realized faults within herself and stuff and, you know, Grow more in the future, um, but like just all the all the there's so much talking here, and it's all about the bombs <laughs> and the loss of the arms, and it's like this is all stuff we've heard before, and we already know except for the misty stuff at the end. So I'm just like I don't care. I don't care about Alan. I never have. Alan is lame. I hate Alan. <laughs> if you like Alan or if you're a part of the Alan fan club, I apologize. Uh, but that's. That's just how I feel. Um, but you know, I, was, I do have to wonder if there was like some challenge at Marvel to see who could put the most words in a freaking issue. <laughs> because yeah. it, this, there's so many words in this comic issue, it feels like it's a Shang Chi comic because this is literally like the dialogue. That goes on in a Shang Chi issue. There's like three thousand words in this comic book. Yeah, but they're not good words. <laughs> like words are yes, fine they're, if they're, they're good. They're very repetitive. Like I love, you know, I the love word bubble should not have fifty seven words in it. Yeah, like the and the, this is all dialogue we've heard before. You know, um, like it's just not particularly interesting. Like if this is all lore about Kung Lun or you know. Uh, like a villain for like actually relevant, you know, or something to do with Luke's backstory that we didn't know about. Hey, sure. Or if it was actually supposed to remind the readers of, you know, things that happened like four years ago in uh-huh. real time. But this is all stuff that we've gone over in the past couple of issues. Um, and as I said, that those last two panels with Misty and Danny, they're good. The, yes. You know, all the words there are fine, but all the other words in this ending is just like, Sorry, uh, like it just took way too long to read this issue for what it was, you know? Like, this issue was playing it straight and seriously, but it just wasn't a compelling story. 
in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, the serious issues of Power Man and Iron Fist can be good, and there is definitely good ones. Like, there's a lot of Kunlun stuff. Um, that one where they're stuck in the nuclear shelter in the Arctic or whatever, that was awesome. Yep. You know, and then, and then they do awesome campy stuff as well and parodies, but like, you know, this, this is, it's an example of like when it's just kind of a dud. Like even this, the- This issue was so heavy, they had to throw half a page of a goofy pimp running his mouth to Luke Cage to try to lighten it up. And you even look at like the start of the police station, there's so many words, um, you know, like, I think, yeah, it's just, I don't know, like, the, the robot trilogy, yeah, that was bad, but you, it was just kind of fun at the same time, mm-hmm. because it was so, like, ridiculous. But this is trying to tell, like, a grounded story about, you know, past regrets and, like, the IRA bombings and stuff, and I'm just, I'm just not buying it, I'm just not interested. You know, leave that to Punisher Max. <laughs> um, well, actually, that's not right. I mean, I'm sure they could do it well, but they just didn't do it well here. I was just, oh, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, it was cool they, to see they Princess... Went, they went too heavy. Yeah. It was cool to see Princess's ear back. Yes. Um, you know, because I like... I like when they explore, like, hanging plot threads from the Iron Fist run, but, uh... Yeah, kind of a... I don't know. I, I didn't really like this issue that much. No, I wouldn't check this in the in the winner's box. No. Good fights, though. Yep. Uh, but the, the artwork was a bit wonky, especially in terms of faces. Yeah, like, who, who is that in the end there? That's not Danny. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the Harolithi clone Danny making an early appearance. Um, but I mean, the, the title of the next story sounds promising. Who's been sleeping yes. in my grave? With a very big <laughs> emphasis on grave. Um, I can't, uh, is it, I think it's mobsters the next issue, right? The 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 Magia. I can't remember. I think it might be them though. I don't know. I'm not peeking. Those guys are always fun. So yeah. Um. Well, hopefully another episode up soon. Maybe in the next few days. Uh. But yeah, that, that's all for now, folks. All right, so thanks for listening. Hopefully next issue will be better. And may your fists be onto a thing of iron. Yes. Adios. Peace. Iron Fist and all other characters in these comics are properties of Marvel and Disney. Any musical images we use belong to their respective copyright holders. We do this for fun, so please don't sue us. You can contact us at sonsofthedragonpodcast at gmail.com. Just send us mail, comments, thoughts, anything you want, really. It doesn't even have to be related to Iron Fist. If you don't want it read on the air, though, make sure you mention that. You can also find us on Facebook, the Immortal Iron Fist Podcast, Sons of the Dragon. Our Twitter, at Iron Fist Podcast. Our SoundCloud, soundcloud.com forward slash Sons of the Dragon, uh, hyphens where the spaces are. Our YouTube, Connor Carl. Just search Iron Fist Podcast and you'll find us real quick. We are also on iTunes. If you find us there, give us a review and rate us. If it's less than five stars, please say why so we can improve the show. And we're on Podcast Garden in the literature section. And last but not least, head over to our WordPress, Sons of the Dragon, the Immortal Iron Fist Podcast, That's where I put all the show notes. 
I'd like to thank Thomas Tissot for composing the Iron Fist theme song we use at the start of our Iron Fist episodes on the podcast. I'd also like to thank Peter John Sikorsky for composing the Power Man and Iron Fist theme we use at the start of our Power Man and Iron Fist episodes. And finally, thanks to you guys for listening. 